Hello there once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation and packing for walking the Camino de Santiago, as well as tips, tricks and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. We want to make sure you have the time of of your life, just like I did and just like our guest did in this week's episode. Elena Semkina has just walked during COVID times the Camino Frances. So it's going to be interesting to hear about that experience and the differences between walking during normal times and walking during these pandemic challenging times. But we're going to, before we dive into that issue and talk about that, Elena, please take us back to the time and place where you first decided to walk the Camino and tell us why. Tell us the big, interesting story. We're all sat around the campfire in Finisterre. Imagine that. So go for it. Uh, hello, Bradley. First of all, it's uh, really an honor to be part of this podcast. And uh, I started to listen it um, probably from December, and I would never guess that once I will be part of it. So thanks a lot. Uh, the uh, the pleasure is all mine, and sh- I should say as well that um, you're also from Russia, living in Sweden, and your English is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so. Coming back to the beginning, uh, since I was born and raised in Russia, uh, when I was a teenager, it was quite popular to read one uh, famous Brazilian writer. Guess his name? <laughs> Let me guess. It's something beginning with P um, and right. ending in O. <laughs> exactly. Paulo Coelho. Paulo Coelho. Yes, and... Um, uh, it was a lot of books of him that uh, I read, and uh, uh, in a lot of books he is mentioning the way with a capital letter, and he's referring to the Camino. And I started to think about that. Oh my God, it's uh, it's interesting thing, but uh, it's not something that stuck in my mind. And uh, one year ago, uh, I was on my on vacation in Mallorca. And I was following one girl on Instagram. Uh, I would say that her type was a Barbie girl, but she decided to do a Camino. And uh, uh, I was so obsessed with this idea. I started all my mornings uh, with uh, uh, watching her stories. And uh, I thought that it's something that I really need to do. It's uh, such an adventure. And uh, I took a decision one year ago, we can say. And since I was in Mallorca, I started to... uh, talk uh, um, with the local people about this topic and uh, I started to do my investigation, started planning one year ago. So the, just for um, for those that are interested that might want to follow this this um, Barbie girl you said that's mm-hmm. walking yes. the Camino, what's her Instagram handle? Uh, it was some girlish topic. I don't really really know why I was following her. Uh, it was just you know, I can't say that I will recommend her. Uh, yeah. Okay, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. And you said that you spoke to the locals in Mallorca about the Camino. Mm-hmm. What did they tell you about it? Uh, they told me that wow, it's great, and uh, none of them who uh, I was talking about uh, did a Camino by themselves. But they, all of them, they told me, oh, I have a friend who did it, and uh, I have a friends or relatives who did it, and they found it really uh, life changing and it's uh, adventure, uh, and uh, go for it. So they cheered me to do it. <laughs> and imagine that you were to go back to the Camino say for example tomorrow you had such a good time you, you only came back a week ago didn't you so yes you've still got that Camino buzz and yeah. obviously all the lessons of the road fresh in your memory so what would be the first three things you'd put in your backpack to take with you if we're not if we're not talking about obvious things um, I would say that now uh, it would be definitely some protection uh, because my Camino was in July and it's it's incredibly hot really <laughs> of course uh, I was listening and uh, reading a lot of things in advance and I think that my preparation in theory was just perfect and I've heard many times that uh, heat is a big big problem but uh, once you are in these con- conditions you are really understand and realize how big this problem is uh, then I would say probably squeezable uh, water bottle because I found it very handy uh, it doesn't uh, um, occupy any place uh, uh, space in your backpack uh, once it doesn't have a water and it weighs nothing so it's very handy and of course uh, 
uh, first aid kit with a, a lot of uh, plasters uh, with a different shape. <laughs> because if you're not going to use it yourself, uh, you will probably find a lot of people who will need it. That's a really good point, actually. Like, I like the things about the different shapes because, um, like you said, there may be people around you, fellow pilgrims, that need the plasters. And who knows what size and shape and and where those blisters are going to show up. So, yeah, that can be really handy. The squeezable mm -hmm. water bottle so that so it can be, be compressed to take up no space in yes. your in your backpack. And obviously, walking in July and any time of the year, the, the sun protection is really, really important. Now, I know a lot of pilgrims listening may be thinking about doing the Camino sometime soon um, and potentially during COVID times. So I wonder if you could just explain to the listeners um, specifically your experience walking in these challenging times. And for example, were you expected to wear a mask all the time? Were there times where you couldn't wear a mask or were you, were, were you able to not wear a mask, should I say? Well, um, of course. Uh, yes, uh, the wearing, wearing a mask, it's uh, obligatory everywhere. Uh, and albergue as well. Um, the only place there where uh, we were able to go uh, without mask, to walk without masks, it's uh, on a trail. So even if it's a small village, uh, especially if it's a big city, a lot of people, they're controlling it. So uh, it's very important. And if you don't do so, I think that uh, people told us that uh, you will probably get a fee, uh, 100 euro or something. So, of course, nobody wants to get it. Uh, then also uh, you're supposed to use uh, uh, sanitizers everywhere in a uh, supermercado when you enter it. Uh, and if you don't do it, sometimes also people, uh, they control it and ask you to do it if you forget. Uh, so it's, uh, it works like this. And I would also say that to, to all people who are considering to uh, walk Camino during Corona, uh, you can have a different points of view on it. So it's not like uh, I'm promoting this idea, but if you decided for yourself that you still need to do it, it doesn't matter what, uh, please uh, respect uh, rules that uh, they have in Spain. I think it's very important because uh, we are, we have a great uh, chance to do Camino in such a situation. Uh, uh, and um, it's very important uh, to follow the rules, I think, because Thank it's a respect. Yeah, thanks for explaining that. So I'm curious to just go into a bit more detail on some of the things you said. Um, so in the albergues, you have to wear your mask the whole time. Yeah. Because or you're... We, can, we can say, of course, when you sleep, you don't wear a mask. But if you go to the shower, if you go to the any places where you probably can maintain the distance, that's important. Yeah. Uh, but out on the trail in, in, shall we say, when you're in the countryside, you don't have to mm -hmm. wear it as long as you can keep the distance. Yes, exactly. But we were trying anyway. Once we were entering the village, uh, we wore masks. But as soon as you enter the village, you have to put the mask on. Yes. And yeah. I, I know yesterday that there were, there were some laws passed by the Spanish government about smoking as well in public places and on terraces um, that uh, smoking is now banned as well. So that's a, an interesting development. And every time you go into the supermarket, it's obligatory that you have to, you must squirt your oh. hands with the, um, with the hand sanitizer when you go in. Yeah. And did you find that that was also a step that they made you do in the albergues as well? Um, yeah, I think so. And um, uh, I think in albergue in general now, uh, the owners, they have to, to adjust their routines a lot uh, to follow the rules that government puts. And uh, maybe sometimes uh, the owners... Uh, the rules, they are changing so quickly and so fast uh, that mm. uh, probably sometimes owners, they are not quite updated as well. But uh, all these uh, uh, restrictions when it comes to wearing masks, uh, disposable uh, bed sheets, uh, uh, sanitizers in a bedroom, because you're also supposed to sanitize uh, the bedroom and shower after uh, yourself. So um, this is something that uh, they're using now. And, and of course, hmm? no, sorry, carry on, carry on. 
Uh, and of course, I think that uh, the big disadvantage of the Corona uh, Camino is that uh, we were missing uh, part uh, with the communal dinners. I think it's very important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, yeah, big thing to miss. One of the most special parts of the Camino gone there. So no communal dinners were allowed either. No. Wow. That's, that's really, really sad. Yes, but uh, of course we tried uh, to organize it by uh, ourselves sometimes uh, in several alberghe. Um, they have not blocked kitchen. They said that we are not going to cook something together, but you can use it. So uh, we cooked ourselves uh, for us or if they, um, it was not possible to use the kitchen, we just bought some uh, food in the supermercado and then we probably sat in a garden and uh, have a meal together. So that was like this. Yeah, because it's still permitted that you can sit outside together, isn't it? Yes, And yes. Um, I know that the, the new rule they passed yesterday, I mean, what's the date today? We are speaking on Saturday the 15th of August and on the 14th of August, I believe the government passed a decree saying that restaurant terraces now can only be at 75% maximum. Um, so I guess that will be a change that they can see come in in the in the coming weeks and months um and i'm curious sleeping arrangements because i think this will be a concern for a lot of people is it still bunk beds is it single beds um are the beds spaced out um for the two meters what how have they managed that I would say it's different. Uh, sometimes uh, it's a bunk bed, but you are not allowed to sleep on all of them. So uh, it's just lower beds or you, you occupy lower or upper. It's up to you, but still it's just one person who sleeps uh, on it. And uh, then, yes, I think that uh, the distance uh, were kept uh, in majority of albergues. Uh, um, yeah, uh, but also I, I would like to mention that important point that uh, now because of Corona, they don't provide blankets. Uh, in some alberg, it was really um, essential to have it because sometimes it's really cold, even if you think about uh, uh, the heat during the day. Yeah, it could be cold at night. So the moral, yes. of that, the, the moral of that story is for sure bring your own silk liner or your own sleeping bag. And pillows, did they provide pillows as well? Yes, yes. Right, so they still provided pillows. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's really really interesting to hear the the difference the different experience of a pilgrim walking during these times and and during normal times, but I am convinced that this is all taking us I, this is the only option to think this way for me is that these are the steps to a, a better normal. I don't like these words the new normal. I like to use I like to think of better normal. And um in general, did you find the, the the trail busy? Was it quiet? Whether was there always space? Because normally during July and August it's the busiest time of the year. So how was it? No, it was not busy at all. It was quite comfortable. So it also depends what I after. Uh, if you would like to spend the time alone, uh, reflect on something, or you really need to have a company. Uh, I would say for me, this time was a perfect mix. Of course, I don't have anything to compare with because it's, it was just my first Camino. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, we all uh, was on a, um, that mode when uh, we wanted to be on ourselves, then we took a time. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it was possible to see that somebody is going in front of you or behind. Uh, but there were days sometimes that, uh, we, for example, we're walking and we haven't met any other pilgrims at all. So it's really mixed. So it's a, a unique chance in history possibly to walk the Camino in July and August even September and October coming up and have a lot more time to yourself than you normally would. So anyone that likes to walk that kind of Camino and you're able to, it might be a, a time to to take advantage of that. Um, so, well, thanks for sharing those experiences, Elena, because you you know it's a real gift to have someone that's just walked the Camino so fresh from their journey and um, can share those experiences and it will be very, very intriguing and interesting to hear for those that um, are going to walk it sometime soon. I know there was a guy, I think Jamie Bernard messaged me. If Jamie, if you're listening, hello, and asked me about that. So he will find it particularly interesting. So thanks a lot. Mm, my pleasure. Um, or should I say, spasibo. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, that's fifty uh, percent of my Russian vocabulary gone there, so we won't uh, talk about that. I'll save the next bit till the end. Right. Um, maybe a mistake you made at the start, and you you wouldn't make were you to go again. Uh, mistakes. I would say my uh, main mistake was uh, uh, quite predictable, and I knew in advance about it uh, since um, uh, I was planning to do Camino uh, one year uh, beforehand. But then Corona came, and I gave up. So I didn't buy uh, any um, good shoes. I didn't buy backpack. And uh, one week before, I decided that. Probably it's a good idea. So something is happening. It looks like uh, they are going to open borders. And I thought that maybe I buy it and uh, let it be. <laughs> so I bought all the stuff, uh, but I didn't buy um, uh, shoes. Uh, I used uh, mine. I knew in advance that they are not comfortable and I'm going to have uh, hot spots. But I decided that it's better to use uh, the old ones uh, and uh, and. Uh, um, uh, know in advance where I'm going to have a hotspot rather than buy completely uh, new one. So you so, made the decision pretty yeah. impulsively, like, okay, the borders are going to going to open. I'm going to go now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Exactly. And you but, uh, obviously like, think that was a good decision now. Yes, definitely. I, if we are talking about Camino in general, I would say that it was one of the uh, most important and most correct decisions in my life to do it. Definitely. I, I agree. I would say the same about mine. So let's turn that question on its head then. Were you to go again, say tomorrow, what would you do instead? And what would you advise others to do? Uh, I would say that uh, probably I was not aware of the blankets and uh, it was some nights when I really freezed. Uh, so I had a blanket with myself, but it was not enough. So if uh, I would pack now, uh, I wouldn't take a blanket, but I would uh, have a, a sleeping bag instead because I just had a bed leaner and it was not enough, definitely. So the moral of that story is, and we will repeat it again, it can get cold at night, even in summer. So good yes. idea to take some kind of covering with you because you're not going to find blankets in the alberg. Now, talking of albergues, um, we always like to ask about an albergue that you would recommend. And I guess you've got so many because mm. you, the, the experiences are still uh, fresh. So mm. tell us about an alberg that you would like to recommend. Yeah, I think it's also, before I mention some albergues that I can recommend, uh, I think it's very important to know, uh, notice that now, of course, not uh, every uh, albergue is open. So once we started our Camino in uh, San Jean Pierre de Port in Pilgrim's office, they provided us with a list of albergues. And uh, it's uh, very important that you call one night in advance uh, just to reserve the place in the albergue that you are going to sleep next night. So, sorry, just... Sorry to cut in there. That, that's a really good point you've raised. Can you just arrive at an alberg to, or do you have to book in advance? Well, uh, first uh, we were kind <coughs> of uh, worried about it, and we started to call to follow this rule, uh, and we never had a problem to find the place, of course. But uh, probably, maybe I don't know. Uh, they say that now it's just twenty-five uh, percent of uh, from the common quantity of pilgrims who are on the way. So of course, not all not all albergue needs to be open, uh, and. Um, Again, we never had a problem to stay, but uh, then we decided, okay, if we just follow the flow, if we are not going to be so predictable and uh, if we're not going to control the situation, just come to the city or village and uh, go to the albergue which are open. And uh, if it's a big city, I think that you are not going to have a problem uh, with accommodation. But if it's uh, the small city, small village, uh, then it can be the point because sometimes even though, uh, for example, it's said that albergue is open according to uh, information from Pilgrim's office, uh, it still was the only one and it was closed. So we had this problem. <laughs> we had unforgettable night under the stars. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you got a, a different experience out of that. Um, you took the positive from the negative. So you, it's not actually required by law to book in advance no, no, okay no, that's not a law right yes. okay because i wondered if they that that was one of the requirements that, that they brought in actually that that's great to hear um but mm -hmm. if you're going to go into the small villages then it might be a good idea to phone a 
day in advance and try yes. to book because there's going to be less opportunities in some places. Not all albergues are open. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And so recommend your best one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I can't say that um, uh, we had a problems somewhere. Uh, more or less uh, all albergues, they were equal, I would say. But um, maybe I would uh, mention three of them that uh, I can recommend to stay. First was uh, in uh, Lara Soania. Uh, I think it's uh, it, it's um, just uh, first days of the Camino, and albergue was called San Nicolas. Uh, it was really nice owner Luis who helped us with a lot of uh, problems uh, with the food, uh, with the accommodation in uh, Burgos. So he basically reserved the place for us in, in a nice albergue. He recommended it. So yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, then I would recommend uh, Trabadello, uh, the place is called like that, and Alberghe Camino e Leyenda. Uh, it felt really like at home, uh, that was perfect, perfect food. And uh, the last one, probably uh, I would mention also Santiago, and uh, Alberghe or hostel was called uh, SCQ. Uh, it was very modern, uh, good location, and I can recommend it. So the albergue in San, uh, sorry, the albergue San Nicolas in La Razoania, which I believe is just mm. after Roncesvalles, like second day, something like that, second yes. night. Yes. Is yeah. that the albergue with the big wooden doors, triangular roof, and, uh, and upstairs and downstairs? Uh, yes. Okay, I've stayed there as well. I love that place and very green around there as well. And you can walk down yeah. to the river just behind as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, really nice place. And the 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 guy that, the was it Thomas you said was his name? The Luis. Luis. Where did I get Thomas from? I don't know. Um, okay, so Luis in La Razoania. Second day mm-hmm. after, sorry, after... The day after Roncesvalles, Trabadelo, and I'm sorry, I didn't, I wasn't quick enough to jot down the name. Can you say the name, please, again? Uh, yes, uh, Albergue Camino y Leyenda, if I pronounce it uh, okay. in the right way. And mm-hmm. SCQ in Santiago de Compostela. Exactly. Three great recommendations there. Thank you so much. And I'd like you to recommend a place that I must see or a hidden gem. It could be somewhere out in the countryside, off the beaten trail, off the road less traveled. It could be a favorite city, town, village. Mm-hmm. Somewhere that you'd recommend pilgrims must see along the way. Well, uh, of course, I would probably name some uh, obvious places like uh, Pamplona and Leon. That was really great experience. Um, if we're talking about small villages, which I like more, I think, uh, but uh, more or less they were equal. Maybe I liked um, the experience uh, that it was more calm, cozy. Uh, it was more intimate if um uh, if we're talking about the atmosphere in general, uh, I would probably name uh, Castro Jerez. It was the place where we arrived quite late, uh, 8 o'clock in the evening or something like that. Uh, and we didn't really have opportunity uh, to walk around um, but uh, in the morning when we were leaving this place, I, was, uh, I realized that it was really nice uh, and I would stay there and, or at least spend some hours uh, to explore it in a better way. And with, um, you're not the first pe- person, pilgrim, should I say, to mention mm-hmm. Castro Jerez. And to describe it in one sentence, you could say castle on the hill in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, <laughs> really nice place. And I think that's a great recommendation as well. And talking of recommendations, we like to give some granular information as well. So if you could potentially recommend a specific restaurant, bar or cafe. These places along the way need our support more than ever, um, especially with their limited capacities and all the new rules yeah. and regulations. So maybe a place where you ate? Mm-hmm. I can, and it's the only place. <laughs> okay. On Camino that was really, really special. Uh, it's in Burgos, and uh, the restaurant is called Morito. It's not far from the cathedral. It's just near, and uh, it, it's quite popular among the local people. Uh, when we, we were living in this place, uh, it was a queue uh, just to get in. 
So uh, it's uh, it's just perfect because the size of the meal uh, is huge. Uh, the prices are really really nice, and uh, the service service is good. So really recommend. So Restaurante Morito, and it's always a good sign when you see the locals queuing down the street. Yes. Um, when I used to live in Barcelona, there was a a place where they gave hot where they um, served hot chocolate. You know these thick hot chocolate mm. and the people would literally queue the locals would queue around the streets also a, sa- a sandwich place that had been open since 1950 and it was the same thing that you you wonder what all the fuss was about just these sandwiches but the locals know better than anybody so um that local hot spot that local um popular place bar mor sorry restaurante morito and i'm guessing that's m-o-r-i-t-o m-o-r yes i-t-o M-O-R-I-T-O, Restaurant Morito in Burgos, where the locals queue down the street. You can't get a better better recommendation than that. Thank you so much, Elena. Now, we're going to go into some Camino quickies, some quick quick questions, um, short, sharp, sweet answers. And we're going to start with the first one, which is a favorite Camino blog or book. Um, I have never read uh, any books about Camino, unfortunately. Uh, it's coming now. <laughs> I will do so because I already have some on my list. Uh, but uh, I just was watching a lot of YouTube videos. Uh, I can't uh, recommend any specific ones, but it's just uh, tons of uh, information. Just go and uh, watch YouTube. Okay, some sources of information then. Um, a potential favorite forum or Facebook group that maybe you are part of? Uh, yes, I was following uh, for, uh, a few groups. Um, one of them is called Camino de Santiago Swedish Pilgrims, because I'm living in Sweden now. And another one is called Camigas, a body system um, uh, for the women on the Camino. Camigas, C-A-M-I-A, so C-A-M-I-G-A-S, Camigas. Exactly. Good stuff. Yeah. Your favorite food and or drink on the Camino? Of um, cafe con leche, <laughs> that was a game changer for me definitely. <laughs> In the morning, uh, tortilla de patata and gazpacho. One thing you wished you'd packed: sleeping bag, and maybe flip flops as well. One thing you didn't need and wouldn't take again: uh, breaking stereotypes, but it was earplugs and blindfold. <laughs> You didn't take earplugs or a blindfold? No, I took, but... Uh, oh, sorry. I yeah, them. honestly, I, I, my, I'd got, gone behind myself then. Um, mm-hmm. Hardest part of the Camino for you? Uh, hardest part was um, the, the day, uh, actually, from Burgos to Castrojeris, we did 40 kilometers. And the second part of it was uh, under the heat. Uh, and the surface was completely flat. It was just fields, 10 kilometers around you. And uh, no any wind, no any houses, no any water, no anything. <laughs> and it was uh, really scary to walk. A quote or some meditations for the road? Oof, uh, uh, don't think about Camino that it's a, a race. Take your time. Nice. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this term, a guilty pleasure you carried with you? Yes, I'm familiar. And for Good me, stuff. it was yes, uh, earrings. <laughs> Just to feel a bit of a glamorous yes. pilgrim along the way. Yes. <laughs> Why not? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you left the flip-flops, but you took the earrings, so you got your priorities. We can see that. Exactly. <laughs> um, potentially a Camino application or internet resource? Uh, before Camino, I just uploaded several ones. Uh, and... Uh, in practice, I, use, uh, I used uh, two. Uh, one of them was called Camino Ninja. So it was very handy uh, for building your own route, uh, checking how many kilometers will be uh, from the certain uh, places uh, to another one. And the other one is called Camino Tool. Uh, it was handy, for example, if you're uh, following the road and if uh, you don't uh, see any Camino signs and uh, you're a little bit worried if you're still on Camino or not, uh, then it was quite handy to check uh, your location uh, with the GPS. Mm. Camino Niña, which I guess is Camino then 
N-A, when the, the N's got the little, I don't know what the symbol is called in Spanish, but the little moustache that goes over the second N, so like little, yes. little girl, translates to in Spanish, and um, Camino Tour Camino as well, tool. which is, I've seen that on Instagram as well, and sounds like a really mm-hmm. handy app. And I guess we can use that segue into the next question, with the, which you use the, the Camino Tour for. As um, a lone female walking the trail, Mm-hmm. Did you feel it was safe and you'd recommend other ladies can walk the trail as well and go alone? Because I know that many do go alone and they they are anxious that they're going to be safe. How did you find it in general? Uh, it was 100% safe for me. Uh, maybe the only uh, morning that I can refer to where uh, when I didn't feel uh, safe enough because um, it was in Leon and I started quite early at 5 o'clock because I wanted to, um, to avoid the heat. Uh, it was a long route uh, um, ahead. And uh, I was uh, walking in the middle of the uh, old city. And uh, there, since it was, I don't remember, Friday or Saturday, so it was uh, definitely parties. And uh, uh, still, it was some uh, really strange people uh, in the streets. And uh, there, I didn't feel really safety. So I, uh, uh, I decided that maybe it's good to, to put my uh, credit card to another place to hide it <laughs> somewhere. So I did it on the way when I realized that yes uh, it's uh, it's a little bit scary but yeah otherwise no it's it's really safe any safety recommendations you could give to any ladies listening mm. Don't be naive, uh, because even though you're still uh, like a, you're becoming Camino family and you trust people by default, but uh, it's better to keep your valuables uh, with yourself always, uh, like uh, documents, money, uh, yeah. And it's quite funny, isn't it? Because it's so strange sometimes when you are walking out of the big cities and you you your tendency as a pilgrim in the summertime especially is to wake up early to avoid the heat mm-hmm. and do as much walking where it's cool as possible and there are there were times I remember walking out of Astorga and you're on your way up a mountain or something like that and people are coming back from from nightclubs and just such different worlds and head spaces everybody's in that you're walking past drunk pilgrims at five in the yeah. morning and you're you're starting your day for a 40k walk or something like that um, very, very strange experience, but yeah, um, people living in two very, very different worlds. And I'm also intrigued to to ask you about, because we do, just like in life, you know, the Camino is, is a microcosm of life in a month and, mm-hmm. and um, life does give us some challenges and hard times. What would you say was your hardest hardest moment along the Camino and how did you get through it? I think our hardest moment was almost in the middle somewhere like that because uh, first week is really like uh, you're full of energy you're full of uh, emotions uh, and impressions that you have and then uh, second week I started to get uh, terrible blisters and um, the people, uh, Camino family or Camino friends, the people that you meet on their way and you are really become uh, friends uh, quite quickly. You, you can't even realize why it's happening like this. Uh, and um, uh, I remember that uh, I got blisters and my friends, uh, they were fine. Uh, so, of course, they were working quite uh, faster than I. And uh, it was a bit sad to see everybody in front of you, like talking, uh, sitting and um, and having a break together and I was just uh, by myself uh, trying to uh, overcome this pain <laughs> and uh, to resist the heat. I think that was uh, a little bit uh, different, uh, difficult. difficult uh. So you took your strength from your Camino family? Uh, yeah. And from, from a low point, sorry, you said it sounded like you were going to say something else there? No. Okay. Um, from from a low point to a high point, what would you say was your your highest, most sweetest memory of the Camino? What, what did, where you felt the best? I remember coming back from from Finisterre, just feeling indestructible, like it was the most unassailable high 
I'd done this walk and experienced all the things I had and met all the people I had, something I thought I'd never be able to do. What about you? Uh, yes, I fully agree. For me, Finisterre was something really magical uh, because there um, uh, I was supposed to spend there just one night uh, because uh, we checked the weather uh, before going there and, and it was not that uh, very nice. So I didn't have uh, high expectations and my plan was to spend one night in Finisterre and then come back uh, to Santiago and just spend one day there before going home. Uh, but uh, it, uh, I changed my plans immediately uh, once I arrived to uh, Finisterre because uh, 23 degrees there uh, feels completely differently if you compare with the Santiago. And it was no any clouds on the sky, uh, ocean around you. It's just magical place. And uh, I, say, I would say that uh, I would never think about uh, spending, uh, spending the end of the Camino in a such way, but it was exactly what I needed, even though I didn't realize it uh, before. So you'd recommend because visiting Finisterre? Definitely, uh, because uh, if we are talking about Santiago, I think that I didn't have these emotions uh, that majority of pilgrims had, and uh, my expectations maybe was uh, uh, they were not met. But when I uh, was in Finisterre there, uh, it, it just, uh, I can't describe it with the words, how happy you feel, uh, in how you feel the harmony around you, and uh, it's just, just magical. How long did you spend at, um, at Finisterre? Two days. Ah, two days. One day with the friends and uh, one day by myself. And, and it was also very, I would say, logical and correct because uh, uh, you finish with everybody in, uh, in such a good place and then last day you spend uh, um, just alone uh, with your thoughts thinking, reflecting, uh, because it's a lot of things that actually happened uh, during one month and uh, it's a, a bit difficult to, uh, to to finish such type of life, such primitive life. And it was like in Santiago, I felt, really, tomorrow I'm not going to wake up again at five uh, o'clock in the morning and uh, I'm not going to find albergue where I'm going to stay or find the way. Uh, yeah, so it's really weird feeling. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, that feeling when you're in Santiago and, and you, the sobering, even sickening realization that it's over. It's like, what if it has to be over? Then fine, but if we can keep it going for another three or four days, why not? And mm -hmm. I'm interested as, as well to um, ask you because there may be some pilgrims listening that don't know about Finnis there and they don't know about the rituals and the history behind it. I wonder if you knew about that and you could explain a little bit? Uh, I know that uh, there is a ritual that uh, you come to Finisterre, uh, to the end of the earth, where there is a lighthouse and uh, pilgrims, they used to leave their boots there, <laughs> which I didn't do. <laughs> so that's uh, the ritual that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you did you have a fire? Did you have a drink up on the 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 rocks by the lighthouse with the Camino uh, family? Not really. Uh, instead of this, uh, that was actually uh, my idea uh, first, uh, because I also was um, I, I saw a lot of pictures uh, with the sunset from that place, and it was just magical. Uh, but then we discovered um, that there is a really nice wild beach, a really huge one, and uh, I think that there it was even more magical sunset there. So I took this uh, advantage uh, when it was my last day there so i bought a gazpacho <laughs> the bottle of gazpacho and then baguette and uh, i went to the beach uh, just to see sunset and it was magical and um, i mean my my experience of finish there is very very similar it was just a the great way to crown the experience and um i ended up spending six nights sleeping on the beach in finish there um mm -hmm. which was a bit crazy but um i just didn't want my camino to end <laughs> excuse me why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? And, you know, for those that, that don't know, just as, as you said there, Elena, the, in the medieval pilgrims before the Americas were, were discovered believed that it was the furthest point west in Europe and the end of the world. And that's why they walked there. And that's why it's called Finisterra, Finnish of the land, um, which would be the kind of loose Latin translation. And that's why pilgrims walked there. And that's why it's still known today 
as the end of the world, the Finisterra, end of the earth. And I was up there with some Danish guys and some, well, actually a lot of people from all over the world. And um, they kind of erected this tripod where we made, um, where they made a fire and um, we, we kind of, they burned some of their clothes. That was one of the old things. And there's an Italian guy that threw his sticks into the water. I'm not sure if I'd recommend doing that, you know, as the, as uh, to be friendly to the environment, but you know the the idea is behind it is that you shed the skin of the person that that kind of walked the Camino, and you are now the new pilgrim, the new person, and you go back to your old life with your Camino lessons, and and um, you are going back with a new mind and all that Camino power. So um, I'm really happy to hear you had the experience of that, and just to finish. Um, I always like to find out, ask you about a Camino memory, an experience, um, an encounter, a story, something that embodies everything that's good about the Camino and could potentially change someone's mind to walk it if they've decided not to walk it. So can you tell us a Camino story, an encounter, um, something that may inspire someone to go? Well, it was actually a lot of the stories, of course, during the month and such an adventure. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, of course, there were some funny stories. Of course, there were some really inspiring stories. But a lot of people, for some reasons, they um, uh, worried about going, going uh, alone, etc. Uh, one time we had a story that um, I uh, mentioned a little bit that we had to sleep under the open sky. And uh, uh, we we were four people, uh, two sleeping bags, uh, one tent for one person, and that's it, and four people again. Uh, but anyway, uh, we had the situation because Alberghe that uh, we were planning to stay, it was closed. And uh, the city with the uh, open albergue next city, it was quite far away. So we didn't know actually what to do. And we decided that, okay, we are going. And uh, just until we find the first house and we ask them, um, the owner, uh, just to do camping on uh, their land. Because uh, the wild camping uh, in uh, Spain is prohibited. You need to ask uh, the owners if it's okay for them, uh, if you put uh, the tent or not. So we asked the people if it's fine or not, and uh, we got uh, uh, there. Uh, they're okay. Uh, we got uh, also dinner. We had a food with us, um, and uh, then after a while, uh, the owner asked us uh, to come, and um, it was in. Uh, uh, La Rioja, I think. So, uh, of course, he was uh, producing wine and uh, he asked us to try. And then uh, we really became a kind of uh, friends or he trusted us. So uh, uh, he allowed us to go to their uh, to his cellar to try uh, really special ones. Uh, so we were like uh, very surprised with this hospitality and pleased with this. And then it was a night. Uh, we put on all our clothes that we had with ourselves, but uh, we didn't know that it's going to be such cold. <laughs> so I think that starting from three o'clock, we just uh, we didn't sleep. We just uh, were laying and trying to rub our hands and hands. Uh, and I remember that at one moment I just covered my face with the hands because my face was freezing. <laughs> uh, it was not funny at that moment, but uh, now we all remember this <laughs> with the laugh and so amazing that the guy who owned the land just invited you inside to try his wine why i think it's uh, maybe because it's also corona time of course it's a little bit exceptional yes but yeah. uh, i would probably learn some basic spanish before going camino because i was surprised that uh, it's not that often when people were able to speak Span uh, english uh, in a not in a good way, but in general, uh, because now in a corona situation, you have a lot of uh, uh, unusual situations when uh, you need to communicate, but uh, you can't. So uh, I kind of um, 
uh, we stopped uh, for the break in, in a small village and then I went to, to the bar to order some tortilla and cafe con leche uh, and I started to talk uh, uh, to order and then uh, the person asked me do you speak English and I said yes and we started to chat in English I was really pleased because uh, I, I was missing this communication with a local person and since we both were uh, wearing masks of course it was not uh, possible to uh, understand what kind of personality in, in front of me uh, but I enjoyed that much with a uh, small talks so I decided to make uh, to uh, say a compliment to this person and I said I'm so impressed you have a, such a nice English and he told me thanks I'm from Ireland <laughs> <That was really laughs> I've got one other question that I wanted to ask you, and I think it's um, a great time for this because you've you are in the transition period. Mm -hmm. you you only came back a week ago. How are you dealing with the transition of living on the road like that with such freedom and adventure, and all of a sudden you're back into your normal life? How are you making that transition? How are you finding it? Um, since I just came uh, back uh, one week ago, I think that the hardest time, they just will come soon. <laughs> but okay. uh, uh, now I would say that uh, it's really nice to uh, keep in touch with uh, your Camino friends because you always want to talk uh, about it. You're still... Um, uh, you, you still see some references uh, or some things that probably remind you about uh, some days or stories or something that happened uh, on the Camino with your friends and then you're sending uh, pictures to them. Uh, so it, for me, it's really important. Um, and then I would also probably recommend bring something from the Camino that um, will have a meaning for your 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 so for you uh, it's it's probably some kind of a souvenir it's probably something from the nature but uh, for example i brought um, the stone a really small stone in the form of heart uh, and uh, i found it in a very uh, difficult moment for myself uh, and it helped me i i believe that uh, probably it gives me some kind of power i don't know so each time now when i see it uh, in my flat uh, i'm just smiling because uh, it's nice memories it's something that reminds me about camino and you can, uh, and, yeah sorry mm -hmm. carry on and uh, one more advice, probably, uh, maybe somebody will find it stupid, but uh, for me, it was really um, nice to send myself a postcard from the Finisterre, because there I felt uh, uh, I was in a, such a great condition, such a great mood, so I decided I need to send something uh, to myself from there, uh, and I just uh, wrote some um, really uh, uh, touching words uh, that are important for me so I still didn't get it of course it will come <laughs> so and I think it will be nice memories again that is a wonderful idea Elena a wonderful idea I love the postcard send it to yourself it's like you can always get in contact with your mm -hmm. your the, the pilgrim version of yourself and I love the grabbing the stone and taking that Camino power when you feel like you need it um, it's like the Something, exactly. something magical and again the other thing I took from what you said is make sure you get all the contact details of your Camino family so you can share your stories and wash up those good memories again and talking of your Camino family is there anyone you'd like to say hello to just in case they, they might end up listening of course, uh, I would say hello to Emma from France, uh, Spartaman from Germany, uh, Catastrophe woman, woman from Italy, a lot of people, uh, Miki, Robert, uh, uh, girls from French, uh, France, uh, I, it's a really huge list. Elena, it's been so lovely talking to you and really really special for the listeners because you're able to share what it's like walking during the, the the pandemic and the changes that pilgrims are going to have to deal with when they go um so really really useful really special to talk to you and i'm i'm so grateful for all the recommendations you've given for the message you sent as well that you'd had a good time and you'd had the time of your life that in itself is the reason why i 
conduct these interviews every week just to try and get people to walk the Camino and have a life-changing experience like you've had, like I have had. And just to finish, I know I've said this three times now, but the the conversation is just naturally rolling on. Um, have you made a declaration to make any changes to your life now you're back from the Camino? Any changes or improvements you thought that you would make? Uh, not yet, but definitely I can say that uh, I started to think about some things that uh, uh, I never thought in the past because I, th I thought that, no, it's not for me, it's not something that I can do. So now I feel that I'm much more stronger uh, than I thought. And uh, I would say that this experience, uh, it's each and every person has on the Camino. We are really much more uh, powerful than we think, and uh, the sky is the limit. I love, I love that sentiment. Um, we, we do find power inside that we perhaps never knew we had. Did you ever think you would end up walking 40 kilometers in one day? No. And you <laughs> did. So it's about finding those those parts of our life where actually oh, this power we've got, what can we do with it? All you've got to do is grab that Camino stone and you can walk 40 kilometers again. So that's what it's all about. Elena, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. I'm so grateful for everything you've shared. And I'm going to wish you the Camino motto just in case you ever go back and walk it again. And also for walking through the... Life, which is one big Camino, Ultrea, move forward with courage, always. Thanks a lot to you, Bradley, and buen Camino. <laughs> <laughs>